0: Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2. I love it if you get there as we continue our series uh, on calling Own It. Uh, we are, if, you're, if you don't have a Bible, there's one, the P Rack in front of you, it looks just like this one. Go to page 907 and you will find Acts chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading here uh, in, a, in a little bit. Uh, We're in this series called Own It, we're talking about the renter mindset in contrast to the owner mindset. And there's this principle that is at work in these two kind of different perspectives. And it's, it's this, our standards for what we own are higher than our standards for the belongings of others. It's not true every time, but a lot of time it is true. And uh, so we're talking about the difference uh, between the two and how it applies to our walk with Jesus. We talked about that last week. This week we're talking about how, what it means to be to, to own the church. And then the next week we're going to talk about owning the mission that Christ has trusted us with. Uh, there's just a few ways to describe owners, that owner mindset. Here are a few of them. Owners are invested, they take responsibility, and they think long term. Mentioned about my friend who rented a car. When you're, when you're an owner, when you're, when you're, you're a renter, you're, you're, it's, it's like, I don't have to worry about oil changes and new tires. But as an owner, you, ha- you do think that way. That's, that's a, it's required of you uh, as an owner if, if you wanna take care of, uh, say a car, for, uh, for example. Now we're applying again to our faith, to our church, to the mission, and we're taking some time to do that. And what I want to do today is read this passage from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading uh, in verse 40, so it's on page 907, two columns there, column on the left. Uh, you'll see there's a kind of halfway down that page in the Pew Bible, there's a big three, go up about, about six inches, so you see a little number 40, that's the verse. You can find your way by, by, by going to that number 40. Little context The 120 have been in an upper room. They've been praying because Jesus told them to wait there to be empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit of God has been poured out. He has empowered them. And uh, there's this this physical manifestation of a a sound of a mighty rushing wind or rushing waters. And um, and it's captured the the attention of the community. And they're running towards this this new sound uh, just as the disciples are spilling out of the upper room. The disciples coming out of the upper room are speaking in different languages. These people from all around the known world at the time, and they're hearing God being praised. Um, And Peter then preaches a message. It's a pretty direct message. God sent his son. You killed him. You're in big trouble. And the people are responding by saying, you know, so what do we do? And They're cut to the heart. So I'm going to pick up the story uh, in verse 40 and talk about what it looked like for this first church, these first followers to own the church. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is God's holy word. These first followers, they get, they get going uh, in this, in this new, new gathering called the church. And by the way, the church in the New Testament, is, it's a Greek word that's used. It's called ecclesia. You don't have to remember that word. But it literally means the called out ones. Not like you're in trouble, like you get called out. It's the called out ones, meaning you got called out of darkness into his wonderful light. You got called out of your old life into this new life that's been made possible by Christ. And in the New Testament, there is these sort of these pictures that give us sort of a, an angle, a perspective on what the church is. The church is called uh, the the temple, the, the temple of God. Uh, the church is called the family of God. It's called a spiritual house, uh, the the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. All perspective pictures of who we are. So when we talk about owning it, we're not talking about owning a building or owning uh, programs, we're talking about owning the family okay? We're owning the family, and what I want to do is just give you three observations of how these folks here, these first followers, owned the church, how they owned the family, and and how it impacted them. And we'll make some application along the way and talk about what that means for us today. But we'll dive right in here because what we find out real quickly is that these were a people of orthodoxy. Orthodoxy simply means a straight truth. They were devoted to the apostles teaching they're hearing about jesus and they're hearing about jesus from eyewitnesses they were there when jesus was teaching They, they they heard the sermon on the mount they heard jesus teach on the beatitudes they were there when jesus healed the leper they were there when the blind man got his sight uh, they, were there. they ate with him, they walked with him, they had conversation with him, they heard him teach the parables and interpret the parables. They were there in the, in, in the room when the last supper was shared. Some were there when Jesus was arrested. Others were there when he was crucified. They all had a chance to see the resurrected Christ and they believed that indeed he conquered the grave, much like we just sang about. And they watched him ascend into the heavens and heard that he would one day come back again. They they submitted themselves, surrendered with humility to this teaching because these guys were there. They knew Jesus. This last week was the anniversary for 9-11. I was watching a documentary, and there was a gentleman who was sharing his story. He worked for the Port Authority. He was there when the first plane hit the World Trade Center. He, He was helping people evacuate out of the North Tower um, and he was rushing people out. And then he, and then he rushed out of that, uh, that tower. In fact, no, he was in the South Tower and he went over to the North Tower. And then he was in that tower helping people evacuate. And then he heard and felt the earth kind of rumble and shake. And the South Tower came down and many of his friends were killed. And he was ushering people out and he was, he was running for his life when that second tower came down. And he had a perspective that is much different than our perspective. We witnessed it, but from a distance. Many of us watched it happen on TV. We watched the news. He was there. His testimony is an eyewitness testimony. If you wanna, wanna know what it felt like to be there, what it smelled like to be there, what it, the emotions that were felt, that's the kind of person you want to talk to. And when it comes to, to knowledge about who Jesus is, it's the very same thing. This is what the first followers were doing. Uh, John, in his epistle, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, he says this. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This early church, these first followers submitted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were people of orthodoxy, and they trusted these apostles as eyewitnesses. Now, around 8390, a guy named Ambrose pulls together the Apostles' teaching at the Council of Milan and, and, and writes what's called the Apostles' Creed. Did anyone grow up going to church reading the Apostles' Creed at all? Okay, so, so there's a few of you who did. So I, I want to put the words up here on the screen. I'm going to invite you to stand because we're going to read these together. We're going to read these words. And... Uh, and as you read them, don't just read the words. Um, uh, what I want you to this is what the apostles taught. Okay? This is, this is in, in succinct fashion, this is what they taught. Pay attention to the things they taught. Um, and in worship, we're, we're going to read this together. I'll get it started. Follow along with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy worldwide church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen, amen. You can be seated. These first followers were people of orthodoxy. In humility, they submitted to the testimony about who Jesus is. Now, here's, here's what I want you to hear, okay? In our day, and it's not the only day this has happened, but in our day, there are some that are doing what some have called Google theology or a podcast theology. There's, there's nothing wrong with Google. There's nothing wrong with podcasts. It's sort of this DIY, do-it-yourself theology of sort of picking and choosing what, 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 we're, what we're gonna believe, it's like going to like Subway or to any sandwich shop and you're ordering a Subway sandwich and you come in and you make your selection. I'll take that, yep, I want that on there, yep, give me some of that, hold that, wrap it up, you walk away the sandwich. But now there are some who are doing that with their theology. I'll take that, yes, give me a generous portion of grace, I'll take that, yes, I have. no, no, I don't want any of that, I'm not really sure about that and definitely don't give me that, that I mean, that, that's offensive to me, but give me some of this and give me some of that and they're building their own theology. And, and it's this approach that, you know, that I, I just, look. If you've ever read God's word, here's what you're going to find. It's going to run crossways with you at times. You're going to be offended at times. And as first followers, these people were people of orthodoxy, and what they did is they came under the word. The enemy of the church, the enemy of our souls, wants to lead us out into a truth desert where we will wither, become powerless, and be neutered in our relationship with Christ. That's where you want. Be very, very careful of believing only the things that you want to believe. Be very careful of believing only the things that you want to believe. One way that you can own the family is to be a people of orthodoxy and come under his word. Quick question of application here. Are you dabbling in a DIY theology or devoted to the teaching of the apostles? In any way, are you approaching your relationship with God by saying, yeah, I'll take this, God, but I'll you, no, don't, don't give me this. Or in humility, are you surrendering to what he's calling us to and how he wants us to image him. They were people of orthodoxy. Second thing is that they were people of unity. They were people of unity. If I had time, uh, I'd read more of Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, the, you, got, you got people coming to Jerusalem, people from many nations, from the known world that day. You got people from Crete, you have Arabs, you've got Parthenians, you have Medes, you have Syrians. You got people from, uh, from everywhere and they're there. The spirit poured out is poured out. Peter preaches his message, and 3,000 people come to Christ that day. They're added to the family. And they are people that are very unlike each other. They dress differently. They speak different languages. They represent different generations. They eat different foods. And yet, as we, as we read here, that they, actually, they, they were gathering together on a daily basis. That they actually liked each other and anticipated being together. They were of one heart and one mind. And, and, and they, they, they were people of unity. They loved each other. They sold properties and, and gave them the proceeds to people in need. They really cared for one another and owned the family in that, they, that way. They were, they were unified. Now, what often happens is we confuse unity with uniformity. You have this beautiful blend of unity, people who are very different different backgrounds, uh, di- you know, different countries. What happens is we, we have to have this, 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 this draw to take things that are very different and sort of melt it all together and make sure we all kind of do the same thing. And be, it's kind of this uniformity. Let me just show you this on the keyboard here. And I'm, I'm not a musician, Dwayne's job is completely safe. Um, but I, I think you'll, you'll get this. Three different notes. Okay. They're not like each other. Yeah, this note, that note, that note. It's very different, but when you put them together, it makes music. It's beautiful. You like I mean, I mean, you could play great songs. Not that song. That's not really beautiful. but I think you, it's a chord. Three very different sounds put together make something beautiful. But oftentimes what happens in the church is instead of unity, we go uniformity. And everyone has to behave the same way and look the same way, have the same haircut, and make sure that we're all dressed the same way. And God forbid that the pastor wear a t-shirt, especially a black one, and preach in church all weekend long. And we have this experience, we'll sing the same songs, we do that all the time, and we have the same Bible version because you must do that in order to fit in this place. And guess what? You do this long enough and over and over and over. Are you getting annoyed yet? Because I'm super annoyed. (laughs) That oftentimes is the drift we go to in the church. We come under orthodoxy, well, don't get me wrong, but we also understand that God has made us. It was his decision to make us so uniquely and gift us so uniquely. And the reality is is that we are better together in the ways that he has made us. And so we need each other. In this hyper-individualistic culture, where the the push is to isolate and insulate. You and I need one another so that as iron sharpens iron, we can grow together in Christ. That's why we believe in spiritual community. That's why Laura's up here with her team. That's why we do Bible studies. And by the way, if you you don't feel like you know the Bible, you need to lean into one of those 20 groups saying, hey, we'd love to have you. You need to talk to Susan and Sarah. And, and maybe you feel stuck in your journey, well, you can talk to Ron and Rosanna. They would love to help you in these places that you feel stuck. Or if you wanna be part of the, of the small church and the big church, you could talk to Travis and Sam and find out how you can be in a community group. Or if you're a guy and you wanna grow a new, unique community, come join us on Wednesday nights at, at the huddles. Or if you're a woman, talk to Stephanie about the gathering and about women's ministry. Or if you're here and you're like, I, man, I'm just, I don't know anything. Plug in the Alpha, get a great dinner, and ask questions that you've been longing to ask. That's why we do all this, so that you can have people in your life that can help you grow. A guy named Howard Hendricks said this, everyone needs at least three people in their lives. You need a Paul, or or ladies, you, you need a Priscilla, okay? Priscilla was a teacher in the New Testament, respected. You need a Paul, someone who is farther along in their journey with Christ, who's wiser, more mature, who who can say to you, imitate me as I imitate Christ. They would say, they're they're, they're secure enough, confident in their journey, they could say, imitate me as I imitate Just come with with me. Every one of us needs a Paul or a Priscilla in our lives. And we need a Barnabas or a Phoebe. Phoebe was given the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome and she delivered it. Imagine if that woman had not done her job well. She was a partner with Paul. You need a Phoebe or a Barnabas. These two people, they represent the people in in our lives who love us, they like us, but they're not impressed by us. Okay? They're willing to say, hey, that that that, that's not cool. Come on. All right? You need a Paul or Priscilla, you need a Barnabas or Phoebe, and you need a Timothy, or maybe a, a, a Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. Someone who you could pour your life into. And guess what, you don't have to be going very very, very long in your life with Jesus to be able to pour out what God's doing in you into someone else. In fact, if you've been a Christ follower for a day, you could find someone that's probably not a Christian, you could share what God's doing in your life. We all need these Pauls and these Priscilla's and these Barnabas and these Phoebe's and these Timothy's and these Mary's in our lives because friends, we are better together and this is how we grow. Those first followers were people of orthodoxy. They were people of unity. And last, I just want to say this, they were people of prayer. People of prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They ate together. They, they, they shared the Lord's Supper together. And they prayed together. I know you know this, but I'm going to tell you Anyway the most influential and powerful person in the entire universe has said to the called out ones, his children, that my oval office in the universe has an open door to you. That at any point that you want to come into my presence, you are welcome to come in. You can interrupt me whatever, with whatever is going on. I got a lot of stuff going on. The whole universe is spinning and there's a lot of stuff, complex things happening on earth. But when you walk in the room, my face lifts up because I'm so happy to see you and I can't wait to be with you. Whether you're coming to sit in my presence or worship me, hear from me, or make a request, I am there, and when you make that request, I am so thrilled because my son said to you that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The God of the universe has said, you have access to me. And we get to ask whatever is on our heart, as long as it's according to his will, He'll do it. Some of you are saying, did that, didn't work. Can I just say this to you? Oftentimes, we we live in a culture that, you know, you you, you pull up, you make your order, you get it in three minutes or you get your money back. We're we're so conditioned for instant gratification. With prayer, the New Testament reveals to us that there are different levels of praying. Wesley Duell, in his book called Prevailing Prayer, uh, he puts it this way. He says, you know, there's the ask level. A request is made. The seek level, the asking becomes longer and more intense. There's knocking, the prayer becomes even more urgent and insistent. Fast, fasting is added to the urgency of prayer. Wrestling in prayer, the intensity increases. In fact, you you might lose sleep. Warfare prayer, this is a prayer battle taking place in the spirit. We'll see that in the book of Daniel. There's actually an answer that was held up by a, a, a battle taking place in the spirit realm. But what often happens is many of us only pray at the level of level one, the ask. And one of the things that I'm doing in, 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 in this fall, I'm just taking one thing. I'm saying, Lord, I just want to prevail in prayer for this, this one request. And so I'm, I'm beginning with asking. I've been, I've been seeking. I think I'm getting to getting knocking. I'm going to add fasting to it. I'm going to wrestle in prayer. and I'm going to do warfare prayer. And I've told myself I'm going to do that for 40 days because I really want to press in on this one. I believe it's important to Jesus and I believe it's important for me and you could do the very same thing Corey Ten Boom um, asks a great question she says is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire it's a very simple question asked by a very simple woman who suffered intensely in a concentration camp during World War II is it your steering wheel or your spare tire They were people of orthodoxy, people of unity, people of prayer. Now, a couple weeks ago, Rob Basham was preaching, and our international prayer gathering was leading us in worship. And if you were here, you may remember there was a young woman, 16 years old, named Marceline, who was asked to pray. And she prayed. At 5 o'clock, she prayed for three minutes. At 8 o'clock service, she prayed for four minutes. At the 9.30 service, she prayed for five minutes. At the 11 o'clock service... She, she prayed for like seven or eight minutes. If you weren't here, you, you missed out. Because this young woman, 16 years old, a, a refugee, prayed blessing over us. Now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, we're gonna play that, that clip. It's, it's four and a half minutes long. And you're not gonna understand a word of it because it's in Swahili. But in the lobby after the service, there is a piece of paper that um, translates the prayer and you could, you could grab one of these pieces of paper and you could read through it a little bit later today. But I want you to notice a couple things when Marceline prays. I want you to, want you to notice the presence of Jesus on her. Notice her little brother in the background praying for us. And because you won't be able to understand the words, you just may want to put your hands like this and just receive this prayer. Trust me, it's a good prayer. Let's watch this clip and just watch this person in prayer.
1: I sent the grace to Mano as a Miss Conotico, Tena to come Belezaco, Atotochocuita Dinalago, Mana and Duretto Letapa, leta Atotochocolata Matizato in Belezaco, Mana Lisa Male Tenio Tiano Lemia Quango, Naminita White Tika, Downer Catuclezaco Escreso, to Nombo Pomogenasi, Ustuachi Kame, to Shikam Konaka aku aku Kome, Walla Stuachi Kame. Mana dress peke tu tuna umbarom tekativ kutoga jumbi ngono iyo pumajenasi. Onekana katika channel leo onekana pumajenasi tena wangu yako katikati ya dress kususu usimwachikila mtu bali malai kwa kwa dress kususwa tongoze na kutuswa mieni atuweze peke tu pango tunasambaratisha mpango wa tablesi ambayo amekunda kuenda kwetu. I took it in the Kazi, but it in a Takarozako is Crusoe, it in the Kazi Pomajanasi, to attack and Zako, to attack and go to the room to Katipu, Zikand sinafanya tu na nguvu za mwili bali atahitaji tena nguvu za mwili tunahitaji nguvu za mtakatifu ya kiro ni fute macho ya kimwili lakini bwana nipe macho ya kiro ili niweze kuona ile ambayo umeandalia kwangu honekana Yesu Kristo wakati maisha yangu kwa maana mimi bado ni kijana mdogo siwezi nikafika mbali bali nguvu zako siwezi nikaendelea popoti kama sina nguvu zako maana mimi bado napitia vitu vingi ambavyo siwezi kila mtu ya Yesu Kristo hauwezi kuendelea bila nguvu zako anahitaji kila mtu nguvu I tell you what When they when room can't have to. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have have to. You have to. You on a cana su to sit in the camera living on Pensier too, but to tend the camera pensiaco. Manaya su who in the only a quidia who in the only quidia to a car, yote lead the final camaskini, who lead the one who find Bella Wato, Lacinio Tulitakas to Comballe, to to Kill him to a car, yellow, you always a contender, yellow, Zaqueza za Quendale Mele, on a canaqua dilecalamtu, Funguamuacalamtu, let a colonel leo, Lingemi and Numa Calamtu, on a cana succursu, mashuguli you are Tamashuguli was a Mana come, Manao and Giunai tender, Manao and Yo Kimiliona Segemel, took up a guilia siphon out of Copo, I a com siphon teoti, but it took up a com siphon for you lay Salabani, you lay a leak with Zambizetu. Nataka ni ono soaco leo on our nation kill a killer one little one kill little to to come out to takatifa mana to edi Yesu at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, speaker tu ba, lakini maneno yanatoka kwa, kwa Mungu hata kayehubiri yeye yeah, ya anatoa yale maneno tu lakini wendi now unafundishwa una wako Yesu Kristo umeuapa watu ujumbe waohubirie watu lakini hawajui wanahitaji nguvu za Mtakatifu tumetupatia nyimbo tuimbie watu ili watu wapate kukokota katika nyimbo lakini tuwezi, bila nguvu za katipo, tunaweza kufanya na nguvu za kimwili lakini tunahitaji nguvu zaidi kutoka juu Honeka Christ, m-tano Leo. Tena ya watu wako. Yesu Christ, Mwana wa mongo, na siku ya na m-tano Leo, turn on a wheel to a couple. Yes, of to of are here, Queen of Zequa, you are here, Cooper, to a You let on 16-year-old
0: girl, she, uh, her parents are from, from the Democratic Republic of Congo, she was born in a refugee camp, lived her whole life in a refugee camp, and then was resettled to Salem. Doesn't have anything. Oh, she has Jesus. And she's taken Jesus at his word, and I'm telling you, she's pressed into the presence, and you can sense it. It's on her. Friends, could it be? I know it's true for me. So I'm guessing there's a few of you in the room that's true for. Her. Could it be that we have so much that distracts us and keeps us, chokes out, as Jesus says, in the parable of the sower. The seed sprouts, germinates, comes up, there's spiritual growth, but it's choked out by the cares and the concerns and the worries of this world. Could it be that those things are keeping us, distracting us from true life? They were people of orthodoxy. They were people of unity. They were people of prayer. And then Luke adds this to it. He says this. He says, The church experienced holy fear, signs and wonders, unprecedented generosity, community that anticipated being together, favor with the community, and the Lord added daily to their number. Please don't hear me say this. Please, it's not like I put this quarter in, orthodoxy, I put this quarter in, pull that one, get unity, put this quarter in, and I'm people prayer. and when that happens, we get all this. That's not what Luke is saying. But what he is saying is that when we own the family, when we are people who come under orthodoxy, when we are people who love one another, when we are people who press into this, this, this throne room, this, this, the, the Oval Office of the Universe, and we spend time in his presence, guess what? We put ourselves in a blessable position for the kingdom of God to advance in our lives and in the family. And it can look a lot of different ways. And friends, it's, it's already happening. It's already happening. But imagine for a moment, is several thousand people were people of orthodoxy in Salem people of unity people of prayer imagine what would happen in their lives imagine what might happen in our families imagine what might happen in our neighborhoods think about what could happen in the workplace think about what might happen in our city in our state in our nation if we owned it owned our faith owned our family i'll tell you what would happen we would not be the same. And the people we come in contact with would, you you gotta tell me, what has happened? And the kingdom advances. Let's pray that in. So Lord, I thank you that you do not pour out shame on us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you that instead of shame and, and, and false guilt, you, what you do is you extend invitations. You just say, oh, come, come close. The door's open. I'm here for you. Love your family. They're different, yep. But together you can make beautiful music. And it will glorify my name. You 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 submit, Lord Jesus, to what's true. And I'll lead you on the path of truth. And oh God, I don't believe there's a person in here who doesn't long for that in their life. So thank you. Empower us, Holy Spirit. To be the church. Empower us, Holy Spirit. To walk with you and to bring honor to your name. I pray that in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at SalemAlliance.org If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.